This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Age of Radio. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and this is Stranger Than. Here we are again with several stories of stuff, some Christmas-related, others not Christmas-related at all. Uh, as you know, this is the time for all kinds of winter holidays, all manner of religions and myths. That's true, and I'm sure our listeners can guess who brought the Christmas stuff and who did not. Yes, I clearly brought the Christmas stories. Yeah, because you're I'm so, so into holiday themes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm quite into the holiday themes. Well, let's start off with a story from NPR. It's from NPR.org. It's called... Living robots made in a lab have found a new way to self-replicate, researchers say. Scientists say they've witnessed a never-before-seen type of replication in organic robots created in a lab using frog cells. Among other things, the findings could have implications for regenerative medicine. The discovery involves a xenobot, a single quote-unquote programmable organism that is created by assembling stem cells in a petri dish, and it is described by a team of researchers from Tufts University, Harvard University, and the University of Vermont in a paper published this week in the Proceedings of National Academy of Sciences. You can think about this, like using the different cells as building blocks like you would build with Lego or with Minecraft, Douglas Blackiston, a co-author of the study, tells NPR. The researchers hope that one day these xenobots, described by this same team in a paper published nearly two years ago, could be programmed to perform useful functions, such as finding cancer cells in the human body or trapping harmful microplastics in the ocean. The xenobots are made from cells taken from the African clawed frog or Xenopus lavis. The cells aren't genetically modified at all, but simply combined in different arrangements to produce the xenobots, says Blackiston, a senior scientist at the Allen Discovery Center at Tufts University and the Weiss Institute for Biologically Inspired Engineering at Harvard University. The xenobots propel themselves by using tiny hair-like structures known as cilia. They have a tendency to spin in a corkscrew fashion, which turns out pretty good for collecting piles of things, such as other cells. Blackiston says. So the team used artificial intelligence-driven computers to see how they might manipulate the xenobots into shapes that would work even better at piling things up. An improved design yielded, yielded an unexpected discovery. For that purpose, the, the xenobots' initial spheroid shape is not the best design, explains Blackiston. Instead, the computer suggested a C-shape similar to a snowplow, or as some have observed, Pac-Man. The shape, he says, is highly efficient at corralling and collecting loose stem cells, which then naturally form into large piles. 
but when the xenobots swept up loose frog stem cells in the dish, the researchers observed something remarkable. The piles of cells formed copies of the original xenobots. Various forms of both sexual and asexual reproduction are of course well known in biology. But what the xenobots did, dubbed kinematic self-replication, is new in living organisms, says Michael Levin, a professor of biology at Tufts and associate faculty member at the Weiss Institute. It does happen at the molecular level, but we are not aware of any organisms that reproduce or replicate in this way, he says. It takes about five days to produce a copy under optimal conditions, the researchers say. The offspring don't take on the C-shaped body type of the parent generation, but revert to the less efficient original spheroid shape. Xenobots are collections of living cells that have no brain or digestive system, but in a real sense they can be programmed to corral other cells, as in this study, or eventually to do other things. That's why the researchers think of them as tiny organic robots. The distinction between a robot and an organism is not nearly as sharp as we used to think it was, Levin tells NPR. These creatures, they have properties of both. In fact, the idea of kinematic self-replication is not entirely new. It was first suggested in the late 1940s by mathematician John von Neumann. He envisioned machines that could choose from basic robot parts to produce copies of themselves, explains Sam Kriegman, a postdoctoral fellow at the Weiss Institute and the lead author of the paper. We've had a lot of people try to make von Neumann machines out of robot parts for a long time, but there has been limited success, Kriegman says. We found that if you just relax the assumption that the robot has to be made out of metal and circuit boards and electronics, and instead you use, you use living cells, then von Neumann machines are actually kind of easy to make, he tells NPR. Some scientists have ethical concerns, but that concerns some scientists. Nita Farahany, a Duke University professor of law and philosophy, studies the ethics involved in a new technology that was not part of the Xenobot research. Anytime we try to harness life, we should recognize its potential to go really poorly, she told Smithsonian Magazine. However, the researchers note that like all hypothetical von Neumann machines, a xenobot can't copy itself without raw materials. As a result, there's virtually no chance they could escape the lab and begin reproducing on their own. All the researchers have to do is remove the inventory of loose stem cells and there's nothing left from which to make new xenobots. And since there's no genetic material coming from the parent xenobot, they can't mutate or evolve on their own either, Blackiston says. It would be like finding loose parts of a human just floating around and sticking them together to make a copy, he says. So it's hard to figure out how evolutionary selection would act on that because there's nothing transferred between each generation. Each one's independent. What the researchers hope is that one day these xenobots and their ability to self-replicate could be harnessed for the good of humanity. This is really a first step. But you could think down the line, Blackiston says. If we could program these better, maybe they could selectively pick up and move specific cell types that we want to help us, or shape something that we're building in a dish for regenerative medicine. For Kriegman, what's interesting is that this form of replication happens spontaneously. Of course, it requires a very specific condition, he says, but it didn't need to be evolved over billions of years. We think about how long it took for life to evolve on Earth, Kriegman says. It's a very long story, but here in a dish, under the right conditions, we found a completely new form of replication in organisms. And discovering a new form of self-replication, he says, shows that maybe life is more expected than unexpected. So xenobots would be pretty handy little fucking things.
Yes. Like you just go they get sound them. You, very handy. You get sick and you go get ones programmed for, you know, whatever sickness and it just goes around your body and snatches all these things up. And, you know, as they peter out, they're making new ones of themselves. And once it's all, they've, they've eaten all of those bad things, then they just stop because they don't have a brain. They don't have like a yeah. central nervous system. They don't have like anything. They're just robots. A thing that mm -hmm. does stuff for humans. It sounds good on paper, but um, I kind of agree with the scientist that says that it could go, uh, let's say, very poorly. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it could because what happens if it figures out or it finds that a different thing it can eat and it just keeps going and eventually eats all your blood or something? Or it like learns how to replicate your DNA and then does just like build a, like a whole another human or maybe like an enhanced human. All I can see right now is like species, like that scene from Species when they try to grow the alien DNA without like right, a human. Right. Yeah, and it just like you know they almost get like burned in the room because the things like getting out and like spreading all over the place. Yeah, I, I can see that. Right, but these are stem cells from a frog that are not messed with genetically. They're just put into a shape and then they can be told what to do they can be programmed okay, what well, to do and they don't have a brain what? so they can't take anything on their own they can't come up with ideas on their own and according to this they also can't mutate because they're not getting any genetic material from the from anything else yes although and they are still stem cells from a frog, and we have learned through movies what can happen when, I mean, supposedly it doesn't have any frog DNA, but who knows? That's how the the dinosaurs at Jurassic Park started fucking and reproducing and breeding was because they had frog DNA, and a I guess... certain species of frog could, like, you know, spontaneously change its sex and same-sex environments. I guess, I mean, in the words of Ian Malcolm, life uh, finds a way. That's right. Life does a fun way. <laughs> of course, when you said the name of the article, all I could think about was like, you know, a Rosie the Robot and then like, you know, creating another Rosie the Robot and one after another until there was a whole army of Rosie the Robots. But I guess it's like. No, it would be more similar to robot. Rosie the Robot would... makes a replication of whatever the previous version of Rosie was like right. Josie the robot or whatever the fuck it was I don't know <laughs> because they're not making the C shape they're not when when these things are replicating they're not really remaking that C shape that's so efficient at collecting stuff they're making the original sphere shape that's less efficient but I guess you know still works well not to uh downplay the incredible work that went behind doing this and getting it to where it is now. Uh, when the fuck can we get some Rosie the Robots? Or food replicators? Uh, I'm just I mean, wondering. We, do, we don't have food replicators, but you do have a Roomba, and so that's doing one thing Rosie does. That's like one fucking thing, okay? A Roomba cannot do your dishes. The dishes are the thing. I mean, the thing that just stack up, like, within 24 hours. It's like, you can sit there with your getting your hands all wet and gross, or having to wear gloves, and load, spend all his time in front of the sink, getting wet, loading dish after dish after dish, uh, only to not even actually get it all clear. But then the next day, it's like stacked to the ceiling again. It's just, I fucking hate it. I hate the shit out of it. And I want a fucking Rosie to come and do my goddamn dishes. 
Well, I don't think we have uh, robots that do dishes yet, but there are smart dishwashers. I'm not sure what's smart about them. Right. I'm like, not, I don't actually know what they do, but they make smart smart refrigerators. I mean, can you just put your dishes in like fucking filthy without even like rinsing them and it'll just... I don't know. Do all the work. I, I think mean, because that's the only thing that can make internet. it smart for me. Yeah, Why that would be great. Why does your dishwasher need to be fucking connected to the internet? I just don't understand that. Uh, maybe some people... Your refrigerator is one thing, and even that, where it's just like, oh, where you can, like, program a list in to, like, send it to your phone. I mean, I kind of get that, but even if I had that feature available, I would not utilize it because I'm not that fucking anal and organized when it comes to my fucking refrigerator. Or if you were out at the store and you could look on your phone what's inside your refrigerator. Right, that's a little creepy. No, but that's pretty handy because you're like, oh, do we have sweet and sour sauce? You're like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, it's right there. I can see it. That's, yeah, I don't know. That would be handy. I would like that. Or I could not have to pull out my phone and upload the app and uh, open it up and, and do go through all that and just be like, you know what? It's like $2, so I'll just get another thing of soy sauce. Maybe I need, uh, I don't know, what's more expensive? Eggs. Maybe you don't know if you have eggs or not. I don't fucking know. Yeah. I don't fucking know either. Um, I don't have a smart refrigerator or a smart Or a smart dishwasher. dishwasher. We've got yeah. smart bulbs. We've got an Echo device. Anyways, I mean, the stuff with the refrigerator, like, yeah, it seems a little tedious, and I probably wouldn't use it, but there's a reason behind it. What is the reason for having a smart dishwasher, like, or having an app for your dishwasher on the know. fucking phone? Like, what what would the purpose be? I mean, I get where it's like, oh, do we have eggs? Do we have sweet and sour sauce? Yeah, at but least we can, like, dishwasher? come up with, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, maybe so you can program it to start at a certain time? I don't know. I don't actually yeah. have any of those answers. Or you could just, like, start it before you go or start it, like, after you get home. I mean, see the dishes like, oh, are in the I'm dishwasher? Gonna... I don't, I don't I have I mean, if the idea. dishes are in the dishwasher, you, I mean, you've already, like, done the work. Like, why wouldn't you start it? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> why would you be like, okay, I'm going to load it now, but I'm going to wait and set a timer to start it. And, like, Who knows? I'm going to start it remotely three hours from now. Like, that's Maybe just, that's too it's, much. Maybe you, you have to set a timer because, like, people are in the shower and stuff, and so you don't want to start it, so. Well, there is that. I mean, I, w- I will give you that because uh, we do live in a house where if you use the dishwasher or the washing machine or even turn on a fucking faucet while someone is in the shower, <laughs> yeah. you will like give them a third degree burn. Nice. Nice. <laughs> well, either way, I think they need to spend less time, uh, you know, meticulous, you know, just meticulously creating all these, you know, not even, I mean, if you're just not a lazy person, you don't need to like make things like that much more convenient. I just need a fucking robot that washes the dishes. I don't need to be able to start my dishwasher from somewhere else whenever the fuck you know, I want to. I, I think that most people have kids that do that shit. Like, if they have children, <laughs> then they just make the children do it, or they pay the children to do it. Yeah. Where's that? It's, I just would rather have a robot. Fair enough. It seems cooler. Fair enough. Well, why don't you tell us a Christmas story, Joanna? I'm going to start off with an unsolved Christmas mystery. Yeah, I was uh, like that. That's, yeah, uh, that it was sounds... actually on an old school episode of Unsolved Mysteries. I actually did not have time to watch that episode, but I, I would like to because I, you know, always enjoy. You just like to, to watch Unsolved Mysteries. Robert Stack like intro a crazy story and narrate it throughout. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, this is 
the disappearance of Chance Wackerhagen and the murder of Latricia White. Now it's Christmas 1994, Lockhart, Texas, and Latricia White, who was 38 at the time, was spending Christmas with her boyfriend, Lee. Uh, his nickname was Dub. Dub, Wackerhagen. Eh? Yeah, Dub Wackerhagen. Along with them was Dub's nine-year-old son, Chance. Now, he was supposed to have been sent back to his mom on Christmas Day. But apparently, Dub called his baby mama and said, I want to keep him for another couple of days. Which I guess was okay with her, or maybe not. Maybe she said okay, but she was like really fucking pissed, like, which is probably what I would be. Right. She would say okay, but like, honestly, what the fuck's she gonna do anyway, short of calling the cops? Yeah, exactly. Now, two days later, on December 27th, Latricia's father, so Dub's girlfriend's father, Jack, hadn't heard from her. And so he decided to go to her house. And when he entered the home, he found her in her bed, and she had been shot six times in the head with a twenty-two caliber handgun. Jesus. Six times in the fucking head. Overkill much? Yeah. I mean, Even once... for like a twenty-two. Well, I mean, it's, it's a twenty-two. It's, they're tiny. But yeah, but still, once something gets in your head, two times bouncing around. I mean, you always double tap, but... Okay, I well, mean, we always, like, have this argument. You can't survive crazy you can. gunshot head wounds, you can. especially with a twenty two. But not That's all the time. probably the most survivable one, but not all the not, time. And, and not most of the time. No. But two times, I mean, two times would be sufficient if you were really, like, thinking about... But six times? That's that's a bit overkill. So, yeah, six times? Yeah, that is total overkill. Now, Dub and his son were nowhere to be found. Initially, authorities thought that maybe it was Dub who had murdered her and taken off with his kid for parts unknown because apparently he was known to be kind of a dick and uh, kind of controlling, jealous, had a really fiery temper. I don't know if it was ever shown that he was actually physically abusive, but the guy was, was volatile, let's say. Usually when grown-ass men like that go by funky nicknames... You're like, <laughs> like, come on now. My name's Dub. 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 Oh, oh, okay. Dub. Yep. I'd feel stupid calling someone. I'd be like, can I call you fucking Steven or whatever? <laughs> Lee. Lee. That's can his, I just call you name. Lee? Police issued a warrant for Dub's arrest on suspicion of murder. However, another three days pass, and there is a, another weird twist in the case. Dub's pickup truck was found abandoned about 30 miles away, or 50 kilometers, in Austin, Texas. Well, well. The items that were found inside included Dub's hunting rifle, his wallet, and his checkbook. In when, addition to that... When did this take place again? This was 1994. Okay, I was like, checkbook. That fucking dates the shit out of it. <laughs> right? 
checkbook. Who carries around a checkbook anymore? I have like one checkbook the that elderly. I constantly misplace because every every once in a while there's something like at the kid's school that needs a freaking check You're like sent a in. Check? Can I just fucking PayPal you? This is the 21st century. I know, right? That would be nice. Yeah. But... You probably can, but then I don't like have to. Like, but it's still like where you have to like write it all out, or then it's a you load have of to bullshit. go on the website ahead of time and pre. It's just like, dude, I'm not fucking doing that. No. I'm barely remembering to like get up in the morning. Like, oh, here, fine, let me find my fucking checkbook and send in this stupid form. Yeah, yeah. Now, along with wallet, checkbook, and hunting rifle, there was a whole stack of unopened christmas presents in the back covered in blood surprisingly it was not latricia's blood oh well that's it did not matter so it was not you know the 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 girlfriend found shot six times in the fucking head yeah it wasn't her blood well that's now that's something they did test it against Dub and his son Chance, but the tests came out inconclusive. Huh. Four months after that occurred, now one source says it was Chance's maternal grandmother, and another says it was Chance's maternal grandfather. One of them, in any case, got an, an anonymous phone call, and what they heard was a young boy saying, help me, before the call was cut off. They thought it was Chance calling them. However, Dub's family thinks that it was a hoax. So right. Dub's side of the family thinks it, thinks it was a hoax. But Mom's side of the family was convinced it was Chance. They have never been found to this day, really? one of them. There has been no trace of them. Initially, police thought maybe he took Chance and went after murdering Latricia, he took Chance and ran off to Mexico with him, but there wasn't really anything, like, there wasn't any actual evidence to support that theory. They're just like, well, this could have happened. <laughs> yeah. And in May 2016, there was an update to the case that the police now think that they might have been murdered by a third party. The person of interest is Latricia's ex-husband. They were involved in a custody battle with their own kids, apparently. Oh. And so now they think, like, maybe they shot, the Latricia's ex-husband shot her six times in the head, and then who knows, who, who knows what happened with Dub and Chance. Like, did her ex-husband also kill them because they were around and saw what happened? If so, like, why did he take them to a different location? Yeah. It's, it's just odd. Like, did he make them drive him out somewhere and then he killed them? And, but then where did he, what happened to their bodies? But oh, I mean, whose blood go, was all over those presents? I mean, it's the crazy. I mean, you make someone, you go to the desert and you, you dig a hole and you kick someone in that hole and bury it. I guess, I mean, being Texas, I mean, there was probably plentiful desert areas yeah, they, that they no could access. no one's going to find that shit. Not, for, not until that place land gets developed and they'll just find skeletons. Yeah. It's just, it's just weird. I mean, maybe he was trying to make it look like, I mean, that guy's still around, I think, I guess. But maybe he was trying to make it look like, um, like the boyfriend did it, like Dub did it. Yeah, yeah. 
and that's why he hid Dub and, and Chance's bodies way out somewhere. I don't know. But then, I mean, like, why why be sloppy like that and leave the car with all the with the presents and the blood? Yeah, that seems strange. I mean, if you really want to set him up to look like, like, go park it at a fucking airport and don't leave, like, blood and gore all over the backseat. Or closer to the border or Yeah, close to the, yeah. Mm -hmm. Somewhere where, I mean, Austin is pretty far from It is pretty far from the border, border. yeah. It's, uh, it's, isn't it like central, kind of uh, eastern Texas? Yeah. Yeah, it's not like Dallas, which is right there, or like, you know, El Paso. Well, no, Dallas, Dallas is pretty or Dal- far. Or like El Paso, then. Dallas is, yeah, El Paso is That's, what you're there thinking. We go. Yeah, El Paso mm-hmm. is, is like right there. Right. So that's... Yeah, it it's definitely strange, but yeah. for... But, I mean, I feel like they were all murdered. That's just weird. I don't know. I feel like like Dub and Chance uh, didn't go and and live a, a life on the lamb. No, in probably Mexico. not. It doesn't seem like he was probably the kind of guy who would know how to just disappear like that. And plus, like a nine year old. I mean, I don't know. It just seems unlikely they they went and found new lives in Mexico. And and it no one seems has pretty unlikely. Ever. Yeah. I mean, you, you'd think that they would have like documentation of them crossing the border. Right. Or even if they stopped. Although I, mean, I guess sure when was that? Places I mean, that you can, no, I guess that's this was not, 1994. It was 94 when they took off. So it was actually, they could probably have gone over the border without even showing ID. Probably. And a lot of times you're not really um, questioned a whole lot, like going in. It's like once you're trying to get back. Then they're like, hey. And then they're like, oh, hey. What's up with all the stuff that you got? Mm-hmm. Why'd yeah. you go down there anyway? Don't you like this place enough? <laughs> what are you bringing back? Isn't America good enough for you? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and my sources for this story are unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com and uh, listverse.com. Nice. Well, the next one I have here is from BBC.com. Vikings settled in North America in 1021 AD, study says. Vikings had a settlement in North America exactly 1,000 years ago, centuries before Christopher Columbus arrived in the Americas, a study says. Scientists say a new dating technique analyzing tree rings has provided evidence that Vikings occupied a site in Newfoundland, Canada in 1021 AD. It has long been known that Europeans reached the Americas before Columbus's arrival in the New World in 1492, but this is the first time researchers have suggested an exact date. Writing in the journal Nature, scientists said they had analyzed the tree rings of three pieces of woodcuts from for the Norse settlement of Lance Au Meadows. They said that using an atmospheric radiocarbon signal produced by a dated solar storm as a reference, they were able to pin the exact felling year of the tree to 1021. Such a solar storm, a huge blast of radiation from the sun that hits Earth, was known to have taken place in the year 992 AD. The scientists said this enabled them to determine a more accurate date than previous previous estimates for the camp of about 1000 AD. 
The association of these pieces with the Norse is based on detailed research previously conducted by Parks Canada. The study says, adding that there was clear evidence that sampled wood had been modified by metal tools. It adds that the Lance Almeadows camp was a base from which other locations, including regions further south, were explored. The authors say the discovery represents a definitive point for future research into the initial consequences of transatlantic activity, such as the transfer of knowledge and the potential exchange of genetic information and pathologies. Dr. Colleen Beatty, a Viking specialist associated with the Institute for Northern Studies in Scotland, says the study does not necessarily suggest Vikings were not in the area in 1000 AD. It suggests that the short-lived settlement was active in about 1021 when wood was being worked at the site, probably related to either building or ship repair, she said. As an archaeologist, I might interpret this as one stage of the occupation activity, not necessarily the first or indeed the last. Lance Almeadows, a UNESCO World Heritage Site on the northernmost tip of the island of Newfoundland, is the first and only known site established by Vikings in North America, and the earliest evidence of European settlement in the New World. Radiocarbon dating is a technique that measures residual concentrations of a radioactive isotope of carbon, carbon-14, present in an object. Carbon-14 decays over time, and measuring how much is left tells you the age of a sample. So, I mean, we always knew, we as in not so much you and me, but like scientists for some time now have always known that the Vikings were here around 1,000. But now Vikings they know. Were first. But they now know that this one specific settlement, they were there in 1021. I mean, they have an exact date for it. So that's pretty fucking wild. And yeah. I mean, yet another reason that we should not celebrate Christopher Columbus being a fucking jackass. Because you know what? He was a jackass and fuck him. He was a total jackass and also fuck him. And it's not like we celebrated it like every single year, like even when we were still a colony, like, you know, oh, here's to Columbus. We're discovering this awesome place that we're now like warring over. No, it wasn't until like 1940 or something that we started doing like Columbus Day. It was probably because it was like the war years and people were like, we need a fucking holiday. Columbus Day? Actually, I feel like it was like because a bunch of like Italian Americans were like shot by police. Like, oh, (laughs) and so in order to like uh, try as some sort of like appeasement to the Italian American uh, community, we decided to like make Christopher Columbus like a national holiday. That makes sense because I remember an episode of uh, The Sopranos where it was like a whole bunch of people were going to protest Columbus Day and like the 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 gangsters were going to go down and like hit people with baseball bats or whatever because they were like, hey, it's a, an Italian-American holiday. Like, what the fuck? So. Yeah. yeah. So, see, that's, I guess that's what that is about. But no, re- no reason. I mean, we can, surely we can find, I'm sure there's a lot of like, you know, wonderful Italians out there uh, who contributed nice things to society that, uh, you know, like, hey, let's celebrate them. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Like, maybe we shouldn't celebrate some guy who in his own time was known as a piece of shit. It yeah, wasn't even in his like, own time. Yeah. And like by other like Italian, high Italian figures. Were I, just like, I believe this guy he was sucks. executed. 
I'm pretty sure that's how that motherfucker died was that he was executed by like his government because of his piece of shittery. <laughs> but yeah, he's like, I mean, he was not known to be a, a, a he was not a well-liked fella. Right. Yeah. I, so. Yeah. Like, well, that's pretty understandable because he was pretty horrible. Even even by the standards of his day, he was terrible. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, how about you tell us another Christmas story? I am going. I'm going to tell you about like a, a Christmas ghost story. Ooh, that's that's Ooh. the best kind of Christmas story, really, is a Christmas ghost story. Absolutely. Well, you know, so this comes out of England, and uh, it's a it's a pretty English tradition to tell ghost stories, or it has been in the past, at least. Like Christmas is always associated with the telling of crazy ghost tales. Yes, indeed. There is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, which is probably the most famous one. But when I was kind of looking, like looking around for ideas for this episode. I noticed that there's like a lot, like Dickens himself wrote like four Christmas ghost time stories. Oh yeah, Christmas ghost stories was, were is a traditional thing. Like yeah, and in the in the, the UK they're all about it. Yeah, I feel like that needs to happen here more. Knock like, once for yes talks about that shit all the time. Mm-hmm, they're always well, talking yeah, about like the, and especially I mean their December episodes is always like steeped in Christmas ghost stories. It's really good. Yeah, well, maybe they, they, I'm sure they've probably touched upon on this one. There's two different versions. I'm going to tell both versions of the story because it's not really, the the story is pretty much the same, but like where it happened is where accounts can differ. Okay. And this is the Mistletoe Bride, and it's sometimes called the story of the Mistletoe Bow. And it was first, uh, I think, found in literature, like in 1884, there was like just a four-line uh, four like poem written. And then there are several different accounts of the history, the, the story that inspired that poem. I'll just read that real quick. Oh, how sad her fate in sportive jest. She hid from her lord in the dark old chest. It closed with a spring and dreadful doom. The bride lay clasped in her living tomb. The first account of the story is that early in the 1600s, there was a woman named Anne Cope, and she was going to be married on Christmas Day at a place called Brams Hill House in Hampshire, England. Now, Brams Hill House is still standing to this day, and if you, it's kind of like a Downton Abbey esque, like a fucking manor, like a big ass place. Yeah, like a big ass fancy manor with like land and fucking stuff. And Downton Abbey's, you know, the the real place is uh, Highclere Castle, I believe it's called. I think so. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, previous home of Lord Carnarvon. Yeah, good old Lord Carnarvon mm-hmm. died of a shaving accident. Yes, very unfortunate. Yes. Shaving accident and a mummy's curse. Let's <laughs> yeah, not forget. God. First one, then the other. So think of something on that scale when you think of Bram's Hill House. Like like now, 40 after- rooms or some fucking crazy shit. Just yeah. like mammoth. Stone, very tall and like kind of square shaped. Yeah, just a mammoth yeah. ass mm-hmm. place. Yes. 
After the wedding ceremony and the feast, they were getting ready to uh, do like the bedding ceremony and carry Anne off. But she decided that she didn't want the evening to end just then. And she suggested that they play basically a game of hide and seek. Okay. And so she went to hide and everyone starts looking for her and no one can find her fucking anywhere. Like everyone starts looking, everyone starts getting nervous as like the minutes become hours. Oh, right. Eventually the house is searched by it's everyone. Like, all the oxen in free. The house. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on now. Yeah. The whole place is searched top to bottom and no one can find her. And of course, the wedding guests and the servants begin whispering like, well, she probably ran off. And her husband, Lord Lovell, was, of course, beside himself. He was probably very worried. And then on top of that, like everyone whispering that maybe she like, you know, took off because she didn't actually want to be married to him. And she had taken the opportunity to just run away. Just play hide and seek and her get the fuck out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would, it is a good strategy. Sure. I mean, if you think about it. Yeah. Because you're going to get a little bit of time, at least. You're going to get a little bit of a head start. Well, yeah, I mean, people Although are... I think the downfall, I, I would just slip away rather than do hide-and-seek. Because even though you get a little bit of a head start, then the whole thing is about looking for you. And everyone is looking for you, like, immediately. Right, but I mean, if you, instead of hiding, just leave the property immediately, then... Yeah, well, it was probably a pretty big property. I imagine it's a, quite a long walk to, like, get off of it, especially back in 16-whatever. Yeah, and it, the, the clothes she had to wear? Yeah, yeah. fuck that. Yeah. That would be hard. You would need a, a pretty big head start. But, well, the days turn into weeks, and the weeks turn into months, and the months into years. And Lord Lovell never stopped looking for his lost bride. Now, the story goes that about 50 years later, <laughs> Lord Lovell was up in the attic and he began tapping on the paneling. And as he's tap, tap, tapping away, suddenly something, a door springs open that was cleverly hidden in the paneling, like a, a hidden secret door. Ooh, he yeah. had to, you know, like push in on it in order to make it spring out. He went through the door and in the secret room found a large wooden chest. He opened the lid and inside found the skeletal remains of his lost bride. Damn. Still in her wedding gown, still clutching her bouquet of mistletoe. And on the inside, on the lid, was lots of scratch marks indicating you know she had she had probably thought like this is a great hiding spot and got herself in there not knowing it was going to lock shot on itself and lock Damn. and she tried to claw her way out but since it was in a remote part of the house no one ever heard anything and she, eventually the air ran out and she died that's fucking crazy isn't that yeah, that's a, it's a dangerous game. It can be. Well, it reminds me of like kids playing hide and seek in the woods and you like go into the abandoned refrigerator yeah, and no suffocate. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Never get I mean, found. Remember, how many times were you told about that as a kid and warned never to get into an abandoned refrigerator? I was, I mean, the amount of times they said not to get in a refrigerator, it seemed, you'd think that happened all the time. 
I know, right? Because I was, I mean, we didn't even, like, grow up in, like, the same town. Like, well, I mean, we did, but not, like, not our childhood childhood. And I was told repeatedly, I was told by both my parents and in school, I think they went over this, too, to, like, never, ever climb into old refrigerators. <laughs> and who's, I mean, who's just fucking climbing into refrigerators? I mean... What I want to know is who shut, like, the secret door? How do you get it shut again if she was stuck, stuck in the trunk? Oh, I'm sure there's a way you can shut it from the inside. Otherwise, it's a shitty secret yeah, but, room. Oh, uh, well, I guess so. I guess she shut it before she climbed into the thing. See, now, I wouldn't even... I would not have gone that whole extra thing. I would have, like, you know, shut it and then, like, got into the thing, but maybe not, like, laid down and to shut the thing yet, but, like, waited. Because I'm sure you're going to hear someone, like, pushing it's yeah. a secret i mean jesus christ it just seems like maybe you should just not hide in the secret room period or or not do like you said not do that extra step yeah you, you don't need to get close in yourself the thing, you, know? you just need to be in the secret room i feel like yeah, yeah. <laughs> seriously so now that is one version of it where it happened at bramsell house and oh i'm sorry um to this day she is said it's said that her spirit haunts Bramsell house yeah yeah she tends to like the fleur-de-lis room best of all and you can always tell when her ghost is about to appear because preceding her arrival will the air will fill the scent of lily of the valley which apparently was her favorite Now, here is the other version of it. I, I kind of like this one better because this one, it's a little bit more. Um, some of the things that happened at this place, like really happened. OK, so it's not all just a story, but people are like, oh, like a like an, a legend. And yeah, 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 like, well, I heard of this one. Oh, and before I get into the second story, I should mention one last thing. If you do go to Bramsell House today, or any other time, in fact, there is a wooden chest on display at the entrance. Oh, is that allegedly supposed to But it's only to, like, yeah, it's only to represent the right. story. Yeah, it's not the, the actual chest. The mistletoe bride. Yeah, it's not the actual, actual chest. The second location of this story is a place called Minster Lovell Hall. Now, remember how the story was Anne Cope and Lord Lovell? Yes. Well, there we go. This place, Min <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Minster Lovell Hall, it was built in the 1400s, and it was for a guy who was named Francis, Francis Lovell, who was, well, I guess he was Viscount of Lovell, or Viscount, I don't know how you pronounce it. So that might not have been his actual last name, how you, you know, yeah, like, yeah. it's like Robert Crawley, also Lord Grantham. People with yeah, their fucking kind of titles. I know, that's so confusing. Anyways. He was a friend of King Richard III, and mm. he had fought for Richard III during the Wars of the Roses. That may have not been a great side to be on. <laughs> <laughs> right? It turns out, like, yeah, he totally picked the wrong fucking side. Yeah, yeah, Richard III, uh, 
He got lost and buried under a parking lot. Yeah. Or no, he didn't get lost. No. He did lose and got buried under a parking lot. It wasn't a parking lot at the time, but right. later on, it okay. ended up being a yeah, parking lot. Eventually. Yeah, eventually. Or a car park, as they call it over there. Now, the short version of what happened to Francis. So, Francis is, is the, turns out to be the great-grandfather or grandfather of William Lovell, who is supposedly the sad bridegroom who loses his bride to a huge wooden chest. Right. So, he, this is the... The grandfather this or the great-grandfather? This is great the grandfather. Yeah, the grandfather or great-grandfather. Okay. I'm not sure. Older. Older patron. Yeah, older. <laughs> older. So <laughs> so what happened at Minster Lovell Hall was that Francis Lovell fled there and was in hiding there because things did not go the way they were supposed to. And he had a servant lock him down in a secret room, and just this one servant knew where he was and came to bring him food and water. And something happened to him, and oh no, he ended up starving to death, locked away in a secret room. Oh, that sucks. Now, in this, uh, one source says it was 1708, but I'm going to read a, a whole excerpt from a book, which lists it as 1728. Oh, okay. Uh, the the hall was being they were they were doing some like renovations and that's when the human skeleton was found in the underground room there. <laughs> yeah. Only in the United <laughs> Kingdom does this shit happen, you know? It's <laughs> right. like doing reservations and oh, here's a fucking skeleton here's from a... like three hundred years ago. Right. And that's 300 years from before 17-something, you know, 1728. (laughs) It's fucking old there. Yeah, it's old as fuck. They've had a civilization there for a long, long, long time. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read the passage from this book that I really, really want to buy now. Because of this one story. Because I think it's a collection of stories. It's called Haunted Cotswolds by... Diz White. Haunted Cotswolds? Yes. The fuck is a Cotswold? Um, it's a British thing. Okay. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Lord Lovell, who was created a Viscount by Richard III in 1482, made an unpopular decision in choosing who to support as his future king. A Yorkist in the Wars of the Roses... Lovell escaped to the continent after the defeat of Richard's troops in the Battle of Bosworth and returned to Ireland while the pretender to the throne, Lambert Simnel, was crowned king. Lord Lovell's decision to support this imposter eventually led to his downfall. He accompanied Simnel to England and then on to Yorkshire to raise an army. Together with Simnel, Lovell met Henry VII's army at the Battle of Stoke. So really, I mean, King Richard's dead and all that, and Henry VII is now king, and and so it was because he went against him that he had to go into hiding because he participated in an uprising because uh, Henry VII did not get overthrown. No, he He did not. have Henry VIII and... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) All manner of... Yeah, that... that, uh, Right. 
line of monarchs lasted for some time. Yeah, well, the Plantagenets and then then the Tudors. There's only three generation of Tudors, though. It's Henry the Seventh, Henry the Eighth, and then Elizabeth was the last. I mean, he had Henry's two kids each ruled until they died before Elizabeth, but that was the end of that. She didn't have any children, and neither did. She was any, a virgin none, queen. None of right? his children, yeah, and none of his children had children. They all died childless. Point in fact. So that was the end of the Tudors. Yeah. It was a, a, I don't know. I mean, all the reigns of the kings were pretty turbulent times. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it was quite turbulent back then. I mean, the eighteen hundreds. You're thinking like, oh, okay, things are like we're starting to get into the modern age. No, it was worse. Europe's always at war. Right <laughs> now, as we speak, Europe, parts of Europe, are on the brink of war. So, I mean, yeah. Always Europe is at war. That's just how it works. It's, right now it's Poland and Belarus. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, right now they're they're they wanna they wanna start coming to fisticuffs. And there's the whole uh -huh. Russia Ukraine thing. Always. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. I think just that that's the way of it in most of the world. And so it was back then in the fourteen hundreds. Yes. Level support of Simnel was discovered by his enemies. And so he was like, shit, I'm totally fucked now. I gotta go, I gotta go to my castle and hide in my secret underground room, in my secret underground lair. There you go, the bat cave. Yeah, it totally was a bat cave. So he hid in his underground chamber. And that, uh, that was, that little commentary just now, that was not me reading the book. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have all that swearing in it. No, I'm sure. Back to the book passage. He entrusted his faithful servant to keep him supplied with food and water until the danger had passed. He also told his servant to lock him into this terrible place to keep him safe from his enemies. This was his undoing as subsequently some accident or other misfortune befell his servant. The servant died, and as nobody else knew of Lord Lovell's whereabouts, this terrible, his terrible fate was sealed. Today, witnesses tell of Lord Lovell's agonized groans and weeping as he haunts the ruins of the Great Hall. The secret room in which Lord Lovell was hidden was uncovered in 1728, some 250 years after this event. The construction of a new chimney at Minster Lovell Hall uncovered a large vault deep underground. The skeleton huh. of Lord Lovell was revealed slumped over a wooden table. Before him was a book and some papers in a bad state of decay. So he just like fucking died sitting there reading or something? Yeah, well, probably sitting there wondering what the fuck happened to his goddamn servant and uh, yeah. wondering like, you know, what happened? Was he ever going to get found before he died? And oh, the answer was no, not, not, not for a long time ever. Reputedly, the books and papers turned to dust as soon as fresh air circulated around the room. The Phantom of Lord Lovell has company because another apparition also haunts these spectacular ruins. So unlike Bransell Manor, um, this one is like just ruins now. Like there's still like, you know, a couple of walls. Yeah, yeah, it's just a ruin. Castle, it's but just like it, it is just it is a just a ruin. walls and like a foundation maybe and then they can kind of extrapolate how it kind of looked. But the other place is there and you can go there today. Yes, exactly. 
this place, you can also go there today, but you're not. I mean, if you're going to stay there, you're going to be camping because there's no ceiling or no roof. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike Bram Hill House, which is both roofed and ceiling. Looking, yep. Roofed and ceiling. The specter is said to be that of Baron William Lovell, the unfortunate Francis Lovell, so the guy we were just talking about. All right, in this account, the specter is said to be Baron William Lovell, who became the first squire of Minster Lovell Hall when the building was first constructed. Now, Baron William, so again, this is the the other stories lord level right baron baron william level was celebrating his marriage to his beautiful young bride with festivities and it was suggested that she would hide and baron william would find her she scampered off to the most remote part of the hall and hid in an ornate wooden chest she did not realize that the chest was self-locking. She was so far away from the lively wedding party that they did not hear her screams when she realized she was trapped. Nor did they hear the sound that her pounding fists made as she tried desperately to attract someone's attention. She was not found until the air had long run out of the wooden chest and she was already dead. It is said that Baron Williams returns to visit the hall every Christmas Eve. Wow. As it was Christmas Day when his bride went missing. Right. The hall is now a massive ruin, and his wailing tones are heard echoing around the few walls left standing. Those who have witnessed his visits say his voice is heard for several minutes wailing for his dead bride before his apparition finally appears. He walks around the ruin of the hall as if it were still as it was when he built it. He appears to still be searching for his bride and opens doors that are not there, climbs invisible staircases, floats in the air, and walks on upper floors that no longer exist. His pitiful cries for his lost love strike terrible sadness and fear into all his unlucky listeners. Well, shit. Yeah. So in the ruins of Minster Level Hall, the two level men, the un the unfortunate Francis Level, who sealed himself into a <laughs> his secret room and died <laughs> yeah. there, and then. <laughs> Baron Jesus. William Lovell, whose unfortunate wife went into a secret room and sealed herself up into a trunk and also died. I mean, how weird is that? <laughs> Sounds like when you're playing hide and seek, don't hide in places like that. And when you're making furniture, maybe drill, you know, breathing holes. Well. They didn't learn that for a long... They probably still haven't, I mean... I'm pretty sure... I don't know. I, don't, I think that most things, you, you can't really get in and then die. Well, uh, fucking refrigerators in the 1980s, you fucking... Well, refrigerators <laughs> now you can, too, because, I mean, that's, that's got to be airtight. But as far as furniture is concerned, I don't think anything like locks airtight. Well, maybe they wanted the trunk to be airtight, too. There are bugs and moths. Lots of things are made of wool. That's true. That's true. Like you didn't want to put away your winter woolens, and then in, and then when you're like you know you put them away in the summertime, and you're un 
locking the chest in the winter because you fucking need them because it's cold as shit and you live in a stone fucking house with no heat. And then it's all chewed to bits by fucking moths. I mean, yeah. how disappointed would that be? Yeah, Especially I guess. Especially since it takes like probably like eight days to like fucking hand knit another thing. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> no shit. Now, differences in this too is there's nothing mentioned about the the girl and Cope haunting this place, and yet she is the only one who allegedly haunts Bramhill House. The Bramhill story also takes place in the 1600s, which would indicate if it is supposed to be the same, you know, Lord or Baron Lovell that he would have been the like, you know the grandson or the great grands or the great grandson of Francis. But in this one it actually indicates that Francis himself, the the one that we can confirm died, was found uh dead in his in his secret that room. would suck so much it would so seem much. that 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 francis in this story is actually is actually the one who's like the grandson or the great-grandson of william lovell always give yourself a way out of your secret rooms otherwise yes you need a see secret room and a secret escape route from your secret room yeah yeah, because you don't because want to get sometimes stuck you there. can't always keep a secret room a secret. And, and especially in those days, I mean, like, because it was hard living. There's some guy who's going to die. And, like, the guy just died and was like, oh, shit, or got arrested or left or whatever. And then yeah. like, that's it. It's fucking it. Yeah, that, it's unfortunate. Well, I think we will uh, leave you all with that this time. Thank you very much for listening. We would like to hear your stories. We tell you many stories. We've told you stories for years. Tell us some stories. Send us an email. StrangerThanPodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your interactions with cryptids. Perhaps you've been abducted by an alien, or you've seen UFOs, or you are a mummy or something. Uh, <laughs> any Any sort of stories about the strange, unusual, supernatural, any of that. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to tell your stories. You're a descendant of the Lovell family. That's right. If you're if you're a descendant <laughs> of the Lovell family. Uh, anything. We'd love to hear your stories. Uh, so send them along our way. Uh, we'll read them on, on the air. And if you want your name said, we can say it. And if you don't, we don't have to. You can find us on social media. Just take a search for Stranger Than or Stranger Than Podcast. If we're at that place, that's what we'll be under. You can... Donate to our Patreon, patreon.com slash stranger than podcast. For $1, you get a crisp high five. For $3, you get the regular episodes ad free. And for $5, you get a bonus true crime episode where Joanna tells you horrible, horrible things. That's right. You can take a look at the podcast syndicate. We're a part of website. It's ageofradio.org. We're there at ageofradio.org slash stranger than where you can stream all of our episodes and with that we'll talk to you next time and stay strange <laughs> <laughs>